and welcome back to another episode of Floor 9. I am your host, Scott Elchison, and this week we got a pretty special episode. We'll be covering the recent Apple event, as well as the recent Facebook event uh, that all happened this week. But before we dive into that conversation, I just want to take a moment to say thank you to everyone that filled out the Floor 9 listener survey. Uh, we'll be announcing the winners next week, so keep your eyes and ears out for, for that. Uh, and we greatly appreciate everyone that took the time to do that. It really means a lot. All right, Adam. Well, let's dive into this thing. So first up, I just want to get your first impressions on the event. How was it? What What were your thoughts on this year's September Apple event? Uh, you know, it was good. This one was a tight 60 minutes. It was the same high production values we saw from them in June. Um, there were some really cool transitions, like where they were doing like a promo video for the watch, for example, and then it zoomed out and it was like the same watch that was on somebody's wrist. Uh, so, you know, very, very high production values, typical, typical for Apple, but appreciated that they kept it to uh, a, a tight 60 and, uh, you know, pretty focused um, really focused on Apple Watch, uh, some updates to the iPad lineup, and some updates to some new services. Agreed. I was pretty surprised about that 60-minute time limit as I was actually running to a meeting <laughs> and thought I was going to be late. However, uh, it ended right on time, so half an hour earlier, so that was great. So let's dive into what Apple actually did announce. Uh, the flagship product for them this year was definitely the Apple Watch. Uh, they announced the Apple Watch Series 6, which now comes with an O2 monitor, uh, which is super impressive. You can actually now monitor your blood oxygen level uh, through the Apple Watch using a combination of uh, infrared light uh, and the sensors on the back of the Apple Watch. So that's pretty impressive. Uh, as well as they announced some new services, uh, the Fitness Plus product, as well as their new bundled subscription product the, that is called Apple One. Uh, so Adam, Let's just start with the Apple Watch. What are your thoughts on this new Apple Watch and really how Apple's positioning it going forward? I, I think the O2 sensor is great. I had a friend who's a doctor who was uh, texting me about it and, and was excited about it. So thumbs up from at least one doctor. We just need nine more doctors to approve. We've got one out of the 10. <laughs> exactly. Uh, one out of one doctors would recommend. Um, obviously, there was a new watch with, as you said, a new health sensor. Um, but the the message, the big takeaway for me was that Apple's really working to expand the addressable market for the Apple Watch. Um, other than that, Apple Watch Series 6 uh, flagship device with the, the oxygen uh, monitor in it, they also introduced the Apple Watch SE, which is uh, like the iPhone SE. Uh, right now, it's sort of in the middle. It's sort of the the mid-tier uh, watch at $279. They're, they're still keeping the Series 3 around for $199. But um, that SE is probably going to sit there and probably drop down to 200 bucks next year. And it's really, uh, you know, sort of a new baseline uh, entry point for the Apple Watch where um, it'll probably stick around for a few years unchanged uh, and, you know, eventually lower in cost. Uh, and it helps, you know, set a new baseline, set a new entry point for, for folks who uh, are maybe buying their first watch and they're not sure that how much they're going to use it and want an easy, inexpensive entry point. The other thing that they announced, and I think this is actually the sleeper important announcement about the Apple Watch, uh, is 
is something called Family Setup, which uh, lets someone with an iPhone, uh, a parent, for example, um, add set up additional Apple Watches for their kids or their gra- their elderly parents, their grandparents. Um, it lets you set up Apple Watches for folks who don't have their own iPhone to use with it. Um, now, the Apple Watch, since day one, has always required a companion iPhone because it kind of piggybacks off the iPhone for data uh, a lot of the time. Because if you're running the Wi-Fi and, and cellular radios on the watch by itself all the time, it, it definitely impacts the battery life. Um, so it uses Bluetooth to communicate with the phone. Uh, but family setup, uh, you know, the, the watches are now good enough that the battery uh, is okay without uh, e- even, you know, using its own radios all the time. So family setup lets... As I said, parents provide watches to their kids or their uh, other elderly relatives who might not have iPhones of their own. And I think this is going to be huge, hugely expands the market for the watch. I think we're going to see a ton of people do, um, upgrade their watches and do give their hand-me-down watches to their kids or, or older relatives. It's a great thing for kids, for, uh, for parents who might not want to buy their kids a phone yet, but they do want to be able to track their location, to be able to send them messages, to, to know that their kid has a way to call for help uh, if they're lost or if there's an emergency. There's a lot of very simple things there that I, I think are useful. Um, and they actually did also introduce a special school time mode uh, that locks the watch to a specific watch face during school. Um, so you're not storing your test answers on your watch in some c- covert way. Back in the day, it used to be on the graphing calculator. <laughs> but now people are going to talk to Siri and get the answers right to their AirPods. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, so there's a school time mode that locks that down and obviously parental controls and all of that other stuff. And for, for you know older folks who might not have uh, smartphones of their own, uh, it still has all of the health and safety features of, of the watch. So you know fall detection, uh, heart rate monitoring in the background in case your heart rate gets too high or too low, and uh, obviously the ability to uh, call for help uh, should you need it. So I think that this is, it's creating a great secondary use case for watches that folks uh, might be upgrading uh, as uh, who are existing watch users. You, we might see some folks go out and buy watches specifically for this purpose, of course, with that new, that new SE makes that appealing. But overall, I think it's going to get a lot more people into the Apple Watch ecosystem uh, who weren't there before. I totally agree. Uh, and not to mention uh, Apple's position on privacy. Uh, I think it makes it that much more appealing to, especially a family, uh, to go out and buy an Apple Watch for their child or for an elderly relative uh, in order for them to kind of have some sort of way to communicate with their family or even, you know, keep tabs on uh, their their location. So uh, it's a great product. And I think we're going to see more and more development here as we start to see the iPhone sales stagnate and flatten out. Uh, this product, the Apple Watch, seems to be the one that Apple is positioning as a way for uh, new consumers to be introduced to Apple's ecosystem, as well as entrenching those that are already part of the Apple ecosystem um, with these wearables. So uh, pretty exciting. You know, we'll see how this product rolls out. And I'm excited to test out the O2 sensor if I'm able to, uh, you know, get my hands on one of these uh, new Series 6s. Uh, but that's not all that they announced. Uh, they also announced a new service. Uh, so Adam, can you tell us a little bit about what Fitness Plus is? Uh, it's online workouts. It's streaming workout videos um, that will be delivered to your iPhone, iPad, or Apple TV um, with across a you know pretty wide range of categories of the kinds of workouts that you might do. Um, some of them 
requiring no equipment, some of them requiring, you know, some, some home gym equipment, um, but in tightly integrated with the watch so that when you are working out with one of these classes, uh, it shows the real time stats from your watch right on your screen. So if you have it up on your TV screen, you can, uh, you know, see your, your real time stats without needing to look down at your wrist. And, uh, yeah, this is the first, uh, real, Apple service that is that is tied to the watch itself, um, and uh, it seems like a, a pretty good uh, a pretty good deal. It's ten dollars a month or eighty dollars a year for the classes, and uh, it does require an Apple Watch. You can't, uh, even though it you obviously could watch the video content without a watch. Um, you do need one to activate the service. It's easy for us in our sphere to say, oh, well, this is very similar to the, you know, digital subscriptions that Peloton offers or, uh, or Beachbody or Daily Burn or, you know, there's dozens of them, uh, at this point. But, uh, I, I do think that there's something about it coming from Apple and being something that is, uh, installed by default on an iPhone that will get folks into it and at least interested in it who might otherwise uh, feel intimidated. They, they made it, they called out several times the fact that there's also an absolute beginner's program for people who have never exercised before. And I think that that tells you a little bit of the difference between the positioning between Apple Fitness Plus and Peloton, right? I think they're a little bit different in terms of the, the markets they're going after. Um, but I, you know, it's the kind of thing that, uh, that might draw additional people into the Apple Watch because of that tight integration. Um, our very own Christ- Christina Adronley uh, has been an Apple Watch skeptic uh, for years, as we've talked about several times on this podcast. Uh, but she uh, might have been uh, texting me earlier today that she was a little interested in it now because of the Fitness Plus integration. Uh, she thought that was pretty cool. Um, she does has been doing a lot of online fitness classes uh, during quarantine. Uh, so they at least uh, cracked an eyebrow of somebody <laughs> who had dismissed the Apple Watch previously. See, look at Apple, you know, slowly, uh, slowly introducing new features uh, to, to widen the appeal of the Apple Watch. And to move into the, the final announcement that we're going to cover from this, this week's Apple event, Apple has announced the Apple One subscription bundle. Now, Adam, we've been talking about bundles and super bundles for a while now. So one, I need to know from you, how excited are you about this new subscription bundle from Apple? And then two, uh, can you give us a little background on what is actually included in the Apple bundle and maybe what might be missing from uh, this current subscription bundle that Apple is offering? Uh, yeah, uh, you know, I, I think I'm glad it's here, but, uh, I'm, I'm looking for more. Uh, I think, think this is, I think they basically did the, uh, bare minimum of, of what we, what we've been looking for. Basically you've got at the, at the, at the base level, Apple music, TV plus arcade, and some iCloud storage at $15 a month for an individual or $20 a month for, for a family plan. And then in select countries, because, these services are not available everywhere for contractual reasons. Um, in, in, in countries where it's available, you'll be able to get the premier plan for $30 a month, uh, which also includes News Plus and Fitness Plus. Um, and that's also f- includes the family sharing for, uh, for everyone in your Apple family. Um, I, you know, I think that this is, I think looking back on it, 
I don't think they could have really launched before this because I think for that premiere tier, they needed something other than Apple Music that was a tentpole offering. And I don't think that any of the other services really pull it off. I don't think TV Plus isn't there yet. There's not enough content. Arcade and News Plus are not successful enough. So Fitness Plus, I think, is the other tentpole to music that gets you to say, okay, if I'm already subscribed to one of these things, maybe I should just get the rest. Um, and I'll use them sometimes. Um, I do to, as we were, you know, saying, Fitness Plus is priced very competitively already. So bundling that in together makes it even more of a good deal. Um, and, uh, you know, it's the whole Apple bundle is cheaper than an, Equ- <laughs> than an Equinox membership. Uh, or an Equinox streaming streaming membership, membership. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, obviously a regular Equinox membership. Yeah. Also, but, um, but, uh, at that level, if you're interested in the fitness content and it's available in your country, it makes the whole bundle, I think, a, a no-brainer. Um, the thing that I'm looking for is that when the iPhones are announced probably uh, about a month from now, is there going to be some connection, some tie between Apple One and purchasing a new iPhone? I would expect that there is. I My instinct is that these plans will all drop by five dollars uh, a month if you buy them with a new iPhone uh, and I think that that would make it it would just be a, a no-brainer for almost anybody when they buy a new phone but we'll see I mean there's they don't necessarily have to do that that's just you know one theory it's a good theory uh, as we've like, talked about previously when it comes to bundling and super bundling uh, it seems like this right now is like lacking kind of like like that core pillar like amazon has prime which is like the you know one for overnight shipping or two-day shipping that is a big draw and everything's kind of surrounding that um it seems like the right thing to do for this bundle would, would, would be to put it around an iphone or even maybe a mac even like a mac purchase right like that right. would be the core thing that to your point you know if you go out and buy a new phone which people do almost every year it just yep we'll take the the premier access bundle for 25 dollars a month extra well, because I think the the question is that you know Apple does sell the iPhone and and they just introduced this for the watch as well as a on a monthly installment plan. They also have the iPhone mm-hmm. upgrade program. They've several ways to pay for your iPhone on a monthly basis. So I think a really good sales pitch is your iPhone plus all the services are X dollars per month, which in this case would probably be like sixty bucks a month or something, um, sixty to sixty five, starting from there. Um, that's how Microsoft is selling their new mm-hmm. Xboxes, right? They're selling them for $25 or $35 per month with a game subscription. If we don't see that this year, I think it's something that they're working their way towards is just one flat fee and you just have a new iPhone and you have all of these Apple services unlocked. It would be easy. I and mean, then you can just charge it all to your Apple card and get a discount there as well. And then and then yep, three percent back and then you're locked in <laughs> you know for forever to the apple uh you know ever churning uh subscription bundle the one thing about this bundling and especially if we start to see the bundling tied to the hardware is um it's great if those are all the services that you would choose to be using anyway but it does start to disincentivize you from trying or using other competitive services um, and this, you know, it's maybe not so much of a thing with with TV Plus because everybody watches multiple video services anyway. Um, but with something like music or fitness or even news, if you're 
paying for it just because you got it as part of the bundle uh, and you're like, well, I might as well use that because I'm already paying for it. It does sort of decrease competition in those other categories. And as we, as we, you know, we're saying about uh, fitness, there, there is always opportunity in other uh, it, in other uh, parts of the market, in other audiences. Um, but uh, I think that, you know, that's, that's part of the strategy is, is bundling does allow some, subpar services, uh, to such as let's just say news plus perhaps to skate along under the radar. Um, even though, you know, they may not be the best thing, uh, the best option on mm-hmm. the market. Yeah. And if we look at this from just like a, a branding perspective, we know that all of these bundles as they're coming together, uh, really surround our consumer in an environment without any access to advertisements they're all paid for uh, it's an ad-free environment and so like that is going to shift and change in the yep. way brands need to think about activating uh, when more and more of these large bundles are available and consumers are opting into them uh, you know thinking about ways to get integrated into those bundles to still reach that consumer uh, will be very important to think about um, because I think you know to your point Adam this is just the start for Apple and there's going to be definitely more that will develop around this um, and it can be very easy for consumers to to opt in because it becomes essentially just the power of the defaults. It's like the default bundle that comes with the iPhone. Um, and so it's a very low barrier to entry to kind of get these ad-free environments. Um, so again, just something for our brands to be thinking about in ways in which they can integrate into uh, these different ad-free environments. And one last thing to note, iOS 14 is now live. And so with iOS 14 rolling out, um, the way in which users are going to be navigating their phones can be a bit different as we can now actually pin the widgets, which used to be stuck into the left side tray of a phone, uh, will now be able to be pinned directly to your homepage. And through that, you can actually surface relevant information uh, to those widgets without having to actually go into an application on your phone. So you're starting to see how uh, it just the way consumers will be navigating and and interacting with their phones and the content on them uh, is going to be a little less app centric as, you know, Apple's pushing these widgets to the, to the forefront and, you know, onto the home screen for, for users. Yeah. I mean, this combined with the app clips, which are also an iOS 14 feature that are rolling out. um, It's following in the footsteps of complications on the watch of pulling out that glanceable information in a really, quick and easy to process uh, sort of way. Uh, and that is uh, a, a lot of the design of uh, these new iOS 14 features really looks like it's pointing the direction towards uh, where Apple might be headed with uh, augmented reality glasses uh, in the future. And speaking of augmented reality, uh, another company that's been working on AR is Facebook. And Facebook also had an event this week. It was the Facebook Connect 7, uh, formerly known as the Oculus Connect event, uh, where Facebook took stage for about two hours, I believe, the virtual stage, uh, and discussed their plans for the future of VR, AR, uh, and everything within that space. Um, So, there was a lot of content that Facebook had put out, um, a lot of it very forward thinking. Um, but I think some of the big announcements, or at least one of the big announcements uh, our listeners should know about is that uh, Facebook is now going to retire the Oculus Rift S, uh, as well as the PC-based version of their VR device, uh, and is going to be focusing on the standalone Oculus Quest 2, uh, which is their essentially the standalone 
VR device that has forward-facing sensors sensors uh, that essentially allow you to do VR untethered uh, in the environment around you. Uh, and it seems like Adam, this is their attempt to really make VR happen. Uh, they're trying pretty hard to do it, um, and it will be priced at a, at a pretty affordable price. You know, two ninety nine is not bad for uh, getting into the world of VR, but adoption seems to be lacking still, even with all of the developments that that they've had with the Oculus. Yeah, I, I, just as we talked about Apple trying to broaden the audience for Apple Watch with some features, Facebook here is trying to broaden the audience for VR. Um, they lowered the price, they made the the, the headset better. Um, the uh, they announced some features like system level fitness tracking inside of VR called Oculus Move coming later this year. Um, they showed off some uh, some demos of what they call Infinite Office, which is sort of like a way to do your work in virtual reality. I don't know. I don't really see the benefit of using <laughs> VR to uh, edit spreadsheets and PowerPoint slides, but uh, it's uh, something they showed <laughs> off. Um, and as they announced a bunch of new games, including a you know a Fortnite knockoff and a multiplayer for Beat Saber, which is a very popular VR game that they that they yeah that they that uh, Facebook actually acquired last year. So uh, you know they're they're trying. Uh, they they talked about Facebook Horizon, which is their metaverse ish social platform, uh, although that's still remaining in private beta for now. Um, they're Here's the thing. The Quest 2 it looks like great hardware, but the hardware on VR has not been the problem for a while now. Um, the first Quest, the the most, the one that's being replaced today, uh, came out a year ago, and that was great hardware. Um, and it, it has been selling out in a lot of places, for uh, especially you know since quarantine started. Um, but the problem is that it really is still just a gaming device. Uh, and it's a gaming device without the a bunch of AAA titles uh, that would normally sell a gaming device like the upcoming PS5 and and, and Xboxes. Um, so it's competing in a weird space. Uh, and Facebook that's why Facebook is adding things like this infinite office and the the move content, uh, the move fitness content. And uh, they're adding Messenger to, to the Quest platform and, and, and Facebook Horizon, obviously, eventually. They're trying to give people other things to do in VR. And I just don't see a killer app there. So I think that this is this is the challenge that we're seeing. Uh, I, I wanted to believe that by now Facebook would have found some novel uses for VR. Uh, and I'm just not seeing it. I just don't think that they actually have any more creative ideas of what to do in VR than anybody else does. Uh, and that's really a shame because the hardware is awesome. Right. Well, as always, we'll be keeping our eye on the VR space. Uh, aside from VR, should we talk about some AR and some of those announcements? One thing that I do not think anybody had on their bingo card for uh, for Facebook or for anybody this week was to actually show off a pair of augmented reality glasses on stage. Um, <laughs> we we th- this is not something we expected because it's not actually a product, <laughs> uh, but. <laughs> We, we know that all of our major tech companies are working on augmented reality glasses. Uh, and Facebook took this opportunity to show off their work in progress, which they call Project Aria, mm-hmm. um, which is a Ray-Ban branded pair of glasses with some sensors in it. Uh, we don't know 
what it looks like when you're wearing them because uh, the only reason that I think that they've really disclosed them is uh, that they are uh, going to start sending a few hundred Facebook employees out into the real world wearing them. And I think they obviously wanted to control the messaging here. Mm -hmm. Um, But also I think it was a little bit of a warning (laughs) because uh, it was a little bit of a, there are going to be some face, some people, some Facebook employees with glasses that have cameras and microphones in them (laughs) uh, walking around. So just FYI, they actually are going to be wearing special branded shirts so you know the presenter call referred to them as something like a mapping car so just like you see the google maps or apple maps cars facebook has has sending people with uh project aria glasses on uh walking around the world so it's so um, it's like literally if facebook can't get your data because you're no longer on their platform they are going into the real world (laughs) to get it from you (laughs) where you live physically (laughs) yes indeed um that's all we really know about Project Aria right now. They they also said that it's a, a multi-year partnership with Luxottica, who is, of course, one of the largest, mm-hmm. I think the largest, eyewear mm-hmm. manufacturer in the world and owner of Ray-Ban, uh, the brand. Um, and they did also say that this is, this is um, a one step in towards uh, the first pair of smart glasses. We'll come back to asterisk we'll come back to that in a second <laughs> which will be rolling out next year quote unquote on the road to augmented reality glasses so facebook basically just gave us a little bit of a roadmap this is an rd project next year there there will be glasses but they will not do augmented reality they will just do be smart glasses which to me suggests probably some kind of heads up display much like uh, the old Google Glass uh, mm-hmm. had back in the day. And then dot, 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 AR. <laughs> uh, which I think is interesting that they uh, there's going to be that interim step there. We have heard rumors uh, that there might be an interim step like that for Apple as well. Um, and it, they might be on, on a similar timeline. We are somewhat expecting, uh, you know, at least in pre-COVID times, we were expecting Apple, some kind of Apple connected glasses, probably not AR yet, but s- something in that smart glasses category to launch, to be announced at least in 2021. So it uh, looks like we might have uh, several competitors entering the market next year. Yeah. At the very end of the day, this is still very new technology. We'll see how it plays out. Um but if it does get a foothold into how we live our daily lives, right, it's just one more piece of technology or hardware that is potentially, you know, diverting attention away from the standard phones that we use. And if we look at this from the brand perspective, we're starting to see the early signs of another paradigm shift when it comes to consumer attention. Similar to when we saw a shift from the traditional style of advertising, you know, broadcast TV uh, transition to mobile advertising and mobile first advertising, uh, a completely new strategy and tactics were needed to reach consumers uh, on the mobile environment compared to what would traditionally held true in the broadcast environment. And the same thing is going to happen uh, with this, you know, paradigm shift from the mobile environment to wearables. Uh, things will be much more contextual based knowing that, for example, if we look at the different glasses that are going to be introduced or potentially be introduced, uh, they'll be 
taking in the world around them. Uh, so our advertising will have to be much more contextual. And so brands should start thinking about how they can start testing these different wearable devices today, like the Apple Watch, uh, potentially smart glasses, though that's still very limited, uh, things like like, like like AirPods and hearables, uh, because learning how your brand fits into these environments and how we can contextually surround uh, and bring our brand, not only messaging, but our brand offering uh, into these peripherals will be very important uh, for the success of a brand uh, You know, in the, in, in the coming months to years as we start to see the shift from mobile-based advertising you know into a a a world in which wearables uh take up a large portion of consumer attention and time well adam with that uh i think that like that's gonna about wrap up these two events that happened this week is there anything else that you have seen uh, or wanted to mention uh that these two behemoths of technology have put out or announced uh, no, I mean, the only other thing is that we got a uh, price and release date for the PS5 today uh, because everybody's gearing up for the holidays. What is it? It's priced at $499? It is $499 for the standard edition and $399 for the digital only edition. Pretty competitive. Coming under the Xbox Series X, that's for sure. I personally am surprised at how competitive they're being with the Xbox lineup, which is at uh, $499 and uh, $299. So. Uh, I was not expecting that. I know what's on my list for this holiday season. Uh, I'm a diehard Xbox fan, so I might be picking up a new one, even though I bought one in the back of or in the start of quarantine. But hey, we'll see. Um, but listeners, with that, that's going to wrap up this week's episode of Floor 9. As always, thank you again to everybody that filled out the Floor 9 listener survey. We greatly appreciate that. Uh, and again, Keep your ears and eyes open uh, for next week as we announce our winners for uh, the Brain FM subscription. So, uh, as always, feel free to reach out to us. You can follow us on social media at IPG Lab on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, and we'll speak to you all next week. Bye.